from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Jay Wise and Nathan Drinkard. I'm your host, Cody Ward. Thank you for spending some of your time with us tonight. And as a reminder to all our listeners, besides being on all your favorite podcast platforms, A Drink of Wisdom is also on YouTube with each show segment available. Head on over, and if you like what you hear, well, we would appreciate your subscription. What's going on, guys? Got a, got a couple news bits today, I think. What do you, what do you think? Just, just, a, just a few of them, just a smidge here and there. But, uh, hey, no time to waste. Let's go ahead and put them in a place. Let's roll. Like, let's talk some sports, baby. And talking is what we're going to do. Listen, I, tell, I say this every week, and I believe this. We see what they don't, and we're going to say what they, what they want. And listen, this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, probably going to go down this. One of the, the one of the few three day stretches of football that was just marvelous. I loved it. Good weekend. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. All right. In episode 27, we're recapping that weekend of football with the NFL playoff recaps and a look at back at the uh, college football playoff national championship. But before we can get into any football, we got to start in the NBA tonight with a blockbuster trade, uh, possibly one of the biggest in NBA history. The Houston Rockets have traded James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets as part of a four-team mega trade. The disgruntled superstar has been calling for a trade through the offseason despite new management and new additions to the team, such as John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. The Nets, Pacers, Cavaliers, were all part of the trade and this is kind of the breakdown so the the rockets obviously shipped james harden to the nets uh in return the rockets received victor oladipo dante exum among some other players uh three brooklyn first round picks 22 24 26 a milwaukee first round pick in 2022 and four pick swaps with Brooklyn 21, 23, 25, and 27. Essentially, the Nets put every first-round pick on the table for those in the form of pick swaps, three and outright, just here's the pick, have fun. Uh, the Nets obviously get back James Harden. The Pacers uh, get Karis LeVert and a second-rounder, and the Cavaliers got Jarrett Allen and Tarian Prince. So it's a it's a loaded uh, trade drink. So with that in mind, uh, what are your initial thoughts, and who seems to have like won the trade more or less right now? Well, Listen, Brooklyn won the trade. Well, if Brooklyn won the trade and the Rockets were second. Why? Because they got the best players of the trade. Brooklyn got James Harden and the Pacers ended up getting um not not the Pacers, the Rockets, the Rockets ended up getting Victor Oladipo, right? So I think those was the two best players in this trade. I understand it was some young guys and you know, for what it's worth, but those two are the guys that established themselves as, you know, whatever level that you put them on. So I think Brooklyn won. But let me tell you something. James Harden, 
this dude, his plan worked. Evil genius, call it whatever you want. But I person, I personally think this. Remember, we was talking about this a couple months ago, and they was like, "Oh man, you ain't selling the form for James Harden. You you don't know." And then it was like, the only way you get James Harden, you got to put in Kyrie or KD, right? That, that's what we kept hearing. It got to be Kyrie or KD. So James Harden said, hold up. Hold whole glass that I got from the real club. Let me show you something. So what he did was came in the season, you know, with his dad, but looking like Frosty the Snowman. Then he didn't play that well, right? And then on top of not playing well and not looking good, I mean – let, let's be real here. Like, James Harden never looked like, you know, a bodybuilding model ever. But he didn't look like he looked this year either. This year, he looked like he pulled up to the, the stadium in a minivan. So you got them to – then on top of that, what he did he start doing? He started talking trash. Now, at first, he wasn't talking as much trash. He just like, I don't want to be here. And that's it. Hey, James Harden, why you don't want to be here? Next question. But last night was like – Listen, this is the straw that breaks the camel back. And I was like, I understand why he was upset. What I don't understand why he was so upset with the team. Okay, I do agree. You're not good enough to win a championship. That I agree with. I ain't mad at you for speaking the truth. However, you you do know you're part of the problem too, right? Like, you're not without fault here. And why do I say that? Because... Since the season started, once James Harden had to pass like 32 COVID tests because he wanted to do what he wanted to do, since he's been playing, right, James Harden, you, there's no way you could tell me this guy looked like James Harden. And I got it. A lot of players that started off, they starting off slow. And, you know, you had a 71-day uh, offseason, so that's not – Real quick, I'll say, I'll say he did have 44 in his first game he came back. And then he okay. had 34, 33. He didn't dress for the Sacramento game. And then he's been, like, bad since. Uh, right. Because it's levels to this. Worth. It's right. levels to this leverage. He came back, right? Played them three games. So he showed, hey, I can still ball when I want to. But then he said, if I come out here and ball, it's going to make it hard for me to get traded for. So now let me get a tad bit mediocre. So then he gets tad bit mediocre. And listen, for it's for one or two reasons why he got tad bit mediocre. I don't know. You know, it's not like James Harden called me and told me, but it got to be one or two reasons. Reason number one, he's he was out of shape, right? Or he's past his prime. Maybe he don't got it as much, but I can't say that. You just gave me three games where he looked like the old James Harden. So I go to option number two. I'm going to drive my stock down to get pennies on the dollar. How do I do that? I play a lot worse, and then I start talking trash. He did both. He made his comment last night, and guess what happened today? He is now traded to the Brooklyn Nets. So I just want to say, hey, James Harden, you're evil genius. You went out here, got fat, played like crap, and got what you wanted. That is beautiful. That is the American dream right there. Um, so, but, but for, for him to come out and be like, Hey, um, I gave this shit all I got. Did you really, I mean, you played well for this shit. I'm not going to lie. Did you really give him all you got? Cause you drove away every other teammate you had. Did you really, did you do it for the city or did you do it for yourself? Cause it felt like if you did it for the city, you would have got along with those other guys a little better so you could get a title. 
they're just me. My bees ain't wrong, but okay. Now you got a good location. Um, now enough of bashing hard on his decision. Evil Genius is what it is. And I think Houston did do the right thing by going to get rid of him. You might as well just get rid of him. If you're going to be at press conferences, like talking down on the team and doing this, come on, you got you got 14 other guys here. Just let it go. It, you won't be the first team to suck, you know, after making the playoffs. You'll be fine. Just let it go. You know, figure out what you can do with the draft picks and everything else you got for them. And just look in the future. It is what it is. It's over with. Now, let's talk about his impact with Brooklyn now, because now we know where he's going. We know where, who's going to be on his, on his team. And I want to say this. Hey, Nets, y'all did a fantastic job, too. Y'all waited. Y'all was patient. Clearly, that, that Russian cat that used to own the, the team ain't the owner no more, because he would have been messed this up. So you, can win, you went out there. You, you was able to keep Katie, which I – I figured they were going to keep KD no matter what. But you was able to keep Kyrie, too. Now, I don't know. As of right now, I don't know how promising that is to keep Kyrie. But you did get James Harden without trading Kyrie. But <laughs> we just seen in these last couple of, you know, <laughs> weeks. I don't know what Kyrie got going on. I, I don't know. I don't know. I let Jay, I'm pretty sure Jay got his opinion. But I would say this. You was able to keep a core three now. Now you have the three. You got James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and KD. If you get them three on the page, even though your bench probably looked like one of those little wire fence that you see outside of forms, it's pretty thin. You still got three guys that can get it done. So let's see how that go. I think this move to me, the Nets easily the top two team in the East, if not number one. It just depends on who you're talking to. Um, this move catapult them to the top, make them contenders. Because if one have an off night and the other two don't, that's that's a dog. You know what I'm saying? So it's gonna be very hard to stop all three. But before I close this out, um, as far as the trade go, it was a win for Brooklyn. I think it's a win for Houston as well. And if you dive into it, I was just saying something that, about this to you guys earlier. I like that Jared, um, the Cavs was able to get uh, Jared Allen. I think that's a good piece for them. Look out for them to make a little playoff push this year with their young guys. So I think the trade benefited a, a lot of teams. Um, of course, it's always a loser. To me, I would have to like really dive in and call somebody a, a straight, clear-cut, 100% loser. But I think every team involved in this trade end up getting something that it, they can use as far as this year or something they can use in the future. So the trade, I thought the trade was good. James Harden, you're a genius. Keep eating, keep eating like you eat. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hesitant to, you know, full on declare a winner on this trade. I think we just we need to see a little bit um, of what follows uh, this transaction. Uh, it, it is pretty. It's definitely this. I think it's a safe pick to go ahead and say, yeah, the Nets won this trade because they they absolutely get the best player. Um, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm really intrigued um, by by what Houston did. Um, they get just you know, an, an onslaught of draft picks. Uh, the Oladipo um, pickup is, is interesting. And you, you look at what they did with the Russell Westbrook trade. So they, they give up, you know, two established superstars and they get, you know, in some sense a, a has been in John Wall who, you know, can he, can he still play? I don't know if we fully know that yet. Uh, then Oladipo, you know, he's had some injury troubles, but I mean, when he, when Oladipo left Oklahoma city, he became a, a, a real star in Indiana and had it not been for some, 
you know, some bad luck with injuries. And we don't, we don't know how good that Indiana team, those Indiana teams may have been. So, I mean, I, I like what Houston's doing. Uh, they, you know, they recognize pretty quickly. It seems it seemed after, you know, you, you dump the coach and your GM uh, slinks on out of town to Philadelphia. You, you could see um, what that did to those, you know, Westbrook and Harden. Uh, you get Westbrook out of there. I thought it was inevitable that uh, they should, uh, you know, move on from James Harden as well. Uh, Harden definitely had a, you know, he had a, he had a hand in this. this is just the, the same thing that we talk about, you know, from time to time, the difference between NBA, NBA players and NFL players. I mean, NBA players, you know, they, you know, they, they get their way eventually the ones with, um, you know, a certain uh, stature in this league. That's what James Harden has in, in regards to what it means for the Nets. It's, um, it's, it's definitely, it's, the, the three-headed monster of Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, they're going to score a lot of points. I don't think there can be no question about that. I, I am concerned a little bit about how it all fits together, uh, particularly on the defensive end. And these, um, the, the loss, of, loss of Jared Allen and Karis LeVert, I, I don't think, I don't want to understate those two losses. I think, I think if you went around to talent evaluators around the NBA, you know, if, if you could have Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan, I think Jared Allen wins that battle hands down. Um, I think, of course, you know, they probably had to let go of him because I think uh, given, you know, his, uh, his youthfulness, he's probably the more attractive commodity than Jordan. Um, but, and in Karis LeVert, Karis LeVert, you know, he's, a, he's an up and coming star. Um, I'm, and I think it's, um, you know, that, that little detail can get lost in this, uh, in this deal. But I think, I think the Pacers and how he plays, that's something worth watching. You know, can the Pacers kind of remain on the trajectory, trajectory they were with Victor Oladipo, I think that could be somewhat of a seamless transition. You know, uh, Karis LeVert's going to get an opportunity to star on that team. You know, he's going to, you know, fill in where Oladipo left off. So I think, I think that's something worth paying attention to, but with, with Brooklyn, like how does it fit? Cause I think this is a scenario we went through, you know, a couple months ago and we talked about, you know, what would it mean? I think, I don't think I'm not worried about Kevin Durant and how he fits. He, he, he's proven he can fit on any team with any amount of stars. The thing I, you know, the thing I'm interested in is, you know, assuming Kyrie ever gets back on the floor, what does it look like with him and James Harden? That, that's the question I have. And can, is Steve Nash, is he capable or, or can he manage all those personalities as a first year head coach? Now, of course, he's got uh, Mike D'Antoni to lean on as, you know, the, the lead assistant, so to speak. So that's, that's got to be somewhat beneficial. But there's, there's still a lot of unknowns. And I think I got to see this play out to some extent. Uh, before I'm comfortable, um, you know, putting any type of real expectation on them. I do think it is a fair assessment to say, you know, I think on paper before, it, you know, it works out that they, you, you would think they'd be, you know, probably I'd maybe put them right behind Milwaukee at this point, but I'm, I believe they're, you know, five and six or something, something like that. We know, we do know KD, you know, he's been in the, the COVID protocol or, you know, whatever that that's going on with that. And of course, you know, speaking of Kyrie, um, where is where is Kyrie? I mean, do we we don't even I don't think we know. He's missed what is this five straight games, and now I, and these are just you know you just peruse the you know the interwebs and you just see certain things. But now you're seeing um you know you know people got real concerns. People that know him, you know, is he gonna could he possibly just sit out the rest of the season? I, I'm just curious, like what. I, I would, I'd be interested in speaking to Kyrie Irving at this point. I know he wouldn't have no interest in speaking to me, but what, like, what is, like, what's going, like, what's going on though? Like, I, I just, 
it's a real question mark. It, it seems like every time we speak of Kyrie Irving, it's like, what, like, what is he doing? There, there's no, there's, first of all, there's no injury that, that's, that we know of. I don't, there's no injury. It's just, it's been described as personal, personal reasons. And, and I'm not, and I'm not saying there's not a valid reason that he's not playing basketball. I think it's a valid s- reason. I think it's a valid reason. Dad, Steve Nash, did you know Kyrie wasn't going to play? No, he didn't call and say nothing. He just didn't show up. And then right before a game, you know, running him that he wasn't playing. So I don't that's think it's a valid reason. I think it's Kyrie, speak, just Kyrie. That speaks, that speaks, uh, yeah, that, that, yeah, I was going to get there eventually, but that speaks, uh, that does speak volume, doesn't it? I mean, when you're, you know, when your employers like don't know where you are and don't know why you're playing, that's something that, um, that's something that the the general, you know, average Joe, he's not, that's not going to fly. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's one thing to just not be at work. You know, maybe you can, maybe you can slide to some extent, you know, with some level of leniency, but then you're not going to even bother to offer up an explanation. You can probably go, you can probably go find employment somewhere else. And obviously that's not what's taking place here. Um, but I'm just, it, it's just curious. And now you're, you're seeing all these things like, Monday, you was at a birthday party and you was maskless and like that, like that. I mean, that doesn't matter much to me. But then, and then Tuesday, we're we're like, what are we doing? We're on a Zoom call at at a, a Democratic district attorney in New York. Uh, you know, a launch party for her. Like, yeah, because that's really cool. Like, I, I'm just, you know, the whole the whole idea. You know, I'm, I'm split on those things because you know, somebody had a birthday party and you want to go do that. And I, I I think that's you know that we're reaching if we want to you know regulate those aspects of people's lives i'm not going to be mad at that at all but now i don't you know conservative liberal whatever you want to call it i don't think i think brooklyn nets fans would be much more interested uh in what kyrie irving can do for them on the basketball court you know i don't i i I, i'm not that i would even if i was a liberal i wouldn't be all that interested in you know kyrie irving's politics that's that's not helping us win basketball games which is you know, kind of your, that's the reason you're getting paid. And no one's saying that Kyrie Irving can't have, you know, his views or, you know, even if sometimes they're seem a bit ludicrous, you know, I, I don't think the earth's flat myself. Um, but it's just one of those things where you look at it and you say, Kyrie, like, I mean, everybody, you can, you, you can do both of these things you seemingly want to do. You can have an impact in your community, but don't, for, I mean, don't forget why you, you know, you're on this, you know, national stage in the first place. It's because of your ability on the basketball court. And I think it, you know, at some point, you know, you got to, you know, people close to Kyrie have got to ask him, like, do you still want to play basketball? That, that's the question I have. You know, but I, I think, again, you can do both things. I think you can have a great impact on the community and play the game of basketball, but it, it doesn't appear to me right now that he wants to do both if you're missing five straight games and there's no reason whatsoever, I don't know why the, I don't know why the Nets are paying him. And to some extent, may, is that the reason the Nets felt like they had to do this? Because they feel like Kyrie Irving is unreliable. That, that's a question I have. So, and, and when you think when you look at it from that perspective, you know maybe maybe this is not a three-headed monster that we think it is. Maybe the Nets did this because they, they just can't rely on Kyrie Irving and they need somebody to fill that void. Yeah, this uh, this whole thing, we, we haven't had a chance to really get into the NBA season yet. Football has been so wide open. But the, the Nets, we remember, they won their first two games. They beat Golden State, and then they beat Boston. And it was just, oh, the Nets are going to win it all. Go ahead and send them the trophy. It's over, da-da-da. 
and then all of a sudden the tires started coming off, you know, the the train started coming off the tracks and then Kyrie's off dancing and doing zoom calls and all the things you just laid out. And I'm very surprised that they, they got this done because I kept thinking, okay, they are going to trade James Harden, but it's not going to be to Brooklyn. They're not going to give up basically everything else they have. That's not Kyrie or KD to get him. But like, if you look at the trade, I mean, yeah, they lost some really good players in Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. not going to argue that, but like y'all said, they kept their core. They kept their, their three guys. And honestly, like, yeah, you don't have your first round pick for like a hundred more years, but you look at the roster top to bottom, you look at their depth chart. It's really not that bad. I mean, this, this looks like a roster that can win it all. It's not like you go, Oh, well there's three guys. And then there's just absolutely just nothing after that. It's like, you still got Deandre Jordan. You got, you know, you got names on this roster. You got guys like Jeff green, like Joe Harris, like, um, Landry Shamit, he was a you know somewhat of a contributor. I mean, I'm not saying these guys are all all world by themselves, but I mean, if you're talking about you know bench guys and, and fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever options, it's not horrible. I mean, this this roster it didn't get completely gutted. So the the, the picks are concerning. I mean, you'll all, you you don't have your draft pick until 2027, and as a franchise who has tried this twice now, you tried this in the late 90s, you tried this in the early 2010s, and now you're trying it again. This thing where we blow up everything to go get one run and one good solid run at it. It was probably more of a move to keep Irving and Durant though beyond just the next season or two. Um, you got to remember, these guys are, I think they were both on four-year contracts. This is year two. I mean, by year three, year four, I mean, you start to get to the edge of that contract. You know, guys start getting that trade window. Maybe they wanted to keep these guys around. I, I'm concerned about the Nets, though, being all in on this when you talk about the fact that they did sign Kyrie. They did sign Katie, and this is going to be their plan. And they got, um, you know, they got Steve Nash. And they built a nice nucleus of young players and talent. They, they got together really without picks until recently. Did you really have to go this all in? Did you not believe in what you had built after 12 games to the point where you had to sell the farm to get James Harden? I don't know, but they did it. And I mean, it's hard to argue that, hey, you put a guy like James Harden with the other two players you have, you might, you, you can probably go win a championship with that or, or, or multiple ones if they stay together. Uh, I share the same concerns. I, I think this stuff with Kyrie is ridiculous. You know, they probably hope, like you said, this brings him back to the fold. Like, hey, Kyrie, got you another star. You want to come back and play now? You want to come play, man? Because... You know, maybe he was already checked out, not interested. Who knows? Um, some of the other stuff, though, as far as the other teams go, I think that the Rockets still they, – they got they got a, obviously a whale of a haul. But if you look at their starting five, which could be John Wall, Victor Oladipo, P.J. Tucker, Christian Wood, and DeMarcus Cousins, that's not a horrible team. I mean, they're, they're not going to be a train wreck. They're not going to be a 20 or 18 win team this season. I mean, they're going to be a decent team. They should compete. Probably not, maybe not for a playoff spot, but they should not be terrible. Uh, I thought Cleveland got a nice haul. I think getting Jared Island is really nice. Um, you know, he's going to have to share time with Andre Drummond right now. Who's playing really, really well. Um, he's kind of had a bit of a resurgence down there in Cleveland, but um you know, if not, he's a good trade piece. If not, you got two really good centers. Uh, Torian Prince is a nice guy too. Cleveland has kind of made some waves. They're five and seven. They're, they're looking better than maybe people thought they were. Um, but I, I have one question for both you guys, and, I, and this kind of comes on the heels of the Kyrie, Harden, and all this other stuff, and all the other stars in and out. Do you think the NBA is heading for a, another labor dispute issue between the the players and the and the management and all that? When you talk about the fact that the NBA is giving all these 
obviously the NBA gives way more control of their stars, right, than most leagues do. And now you've got James Harden getting fat and requesting a trade, and Kyrie going to party and missing games left and right. And these are two of the biggest names in the business. Do you think that maybe this is starting the NBA starting to go? Did we did we get this wrong? We need to start maybe pulling the reins back a little bit, like, or do you think this is just water under the bridge and whatever? I I, I personally think it, it'll be water under the bridge. I think yeah. if you took COVID out of this situation this would just be another NBA season. You got to understand, the yeah. NBA was built on a global game that individuals took it to the next level. So if you try to, let's say, take the NFL approach, that would probably put you in, like, some hot water. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I, would they probably want to bring the hammer down on the individual players a little more? Yes. But I don't think it's going to change the t- the whole picture complexity of the NBA it's just one of them things, man. We all trying to figure out how to maneuver through this time right now. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to bring a dispute where you have a stoppage or anything in the NBA. I don't think, yeah, I don't think, I don't think it does anything drastic like that. The one thing I, I would say, like, is that the NBA should be concerned about is, and it, it's probably, it's, this seems like it's probably just a Kyrie Irving thing for right now, at least, you know, from my eyes. Uh, but player, players just missing games for no reason. Like, I think the, the question in my mind, like, they're, they're talking about, you know, if Kyrie Irving, you know, violated, you know, COVID protocol with whatever party or whatever he's doing, you know, he, you know, forfeit a game check. Well, I mean, if it comes down to it that, it, like, he's missing games for no good reason, which, you know, given the fact that we don't have a good reason, that we can probably, you know, that's kind of what we're assuming. Every game you miss, you should be docked a game check. And that charity, and that, excuse me, that, that game check should like, it should go to a charity that you don't support or something, you know, cause don't, don't, don't go to, because don't give money away to a charity you like, you, you know, support, you know, because then I don't know, maybe some guy, Ooh, you know, this, this is good. You know, I miss games and now I feel good about myself. Cause I'm, you know, I'm giving money to a good cause. No, no. If you're, you know, if you're a liberal, no, get, give that game check to parlor. So it gets back up online. You know what I'm saying? I just, I think that's the one like thing that. the NBA should concerned about, and the, yeah. the kind of the 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 low management piece. I'm not saying that's completely ridiculous, but can we? If guys are generally healthy, they should be playing. And if they're not going to play, you shouldn't get paid. I mean, you should not get paid if you're not going to work. All right, fellas, this weekend was packed wall-to-wall with NFL wildcard action. Six games commenced from Saturday afternoon to Sunday night with quite the mix of expected results and shocking upsets. Let's go ahead and recap the action, and we'll start back here in the AFC with the Buffalo Bills, who won their first playoff game in 25 years. Josh Allen led the way with three touchdowns and a 27-24 defeat to the Colts. The Bills nearly blew a 24-10 lead late in the fourth quarter, but Jordan Poyer batted down possibly the last pass Phillip Rivers will throw in the NFL, securing the win. So, Jay, maybe the Bills could have been more convincing, but, hey, you know, win's a win, right? It is a win, um, and, and when you haven't seen such a such an outcome in 25 years, you know, you'll, you'll gladly take it, I'm, so to, um, I'm sure that they, they did. And I, I, as you as you well know, I picked Indianapolis in this game, so I'm not really surprised that it was competitive. And you know, Indianapolis, you know, they um, you know, they they looked like the better team in the first half. Uh, they had you know that sequence that ended the first half where you know Frank Reich was you know super aggressive. He goes for it on fourth and goal from the four, um, and Philip Rivers just a, a a little bit off target to Michael Pittman, you know, and then. And then Buffalo goes on a 96-yard drive to end the half. And that was kind of the, the swing point in that game in my mind. Um, but, you know, Indianapolis, they made a run uh, late in the game. That ultimately came up a little short. I, I, did, I really didn't like how they managed uh, that last drive. It was, it was just not very well put together. 
Uh, your rookie kicker also misses, you know, uh, somewhat of a, a field goal he probably should make. Um, so Indianapolis, I think they left some plays out on the field. You know, I think that, if, you know, I think if you ask Frank Wright today, you know, should they have won that game? He'd probably tell you yes. Uh, he, he, of course, you know, he made a couple decisions where he, you know, people somewhat will say, you know, he's maybe he was a little bit too aggressive there. But I, I do. I, I love the way Frank Wright coaches. I love how he he absolutely, in my mind, coaches to win. Just came up a little short in this regard. Um, but give but give credit to the Buffalo Bills. You know, they, they did enough. Uh, Josh Allen, you know, he had a he had a really great performance, um, you know, making all types of great throws on the run. You know, the chemistry he has with Stefan Diggs. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a probably a top three connection right now in the NFL, probably. Um, and you know, it's, it, it's a well-deserved win for Buffalo. They were, uh, they were just good enough to advance. Uh, they're going to have to continue that because, uh, Baltimore is going to come, they're going to come for them next week. Um, <clears throat> to answer the question, yes, a win is a win. Um, but listen, uh, here's the deal. Um, I'm glad I was on the right side of this game. Um. I would have liked Buffalo to win a little more convincingly, but listen, it's new. You know what I'm saying? Savor it. Bring it in a little bit. Enjoy the armies. Either way, what I did like, though, and leave it to Josh Allen to show up when I don't want to, like, gas him up, right? Gas him up, he laterals to the, the, the referee. I don't gas him up. He, look at this, 26 for 35-3. Man, forget you. Then he 11, 11 carries for 54 yards. Now, this dude was balling. He was balling. Just because I ain't saying no digs. Clearly, listen, folks, I'll tell you right now. If you don't think a wide receiver could change your whole offense, you better go talk to Dallas about Amari Cooper and Stephon D and Buffalo about Stephon D. There's no way you're going to tell me that Buffalo looked at anywhere like they looked this year without Stephon Diggs last year. Like, they, they, Stephon Diggs, yo, he made some money for himself with this move. It was probably one of the smartest things he did was ask to get out of Minnesota because he is, man, like, like Jay said, top three connections, them two are cooking. They were cooking. I would like to see a little more out of um, Devin Singletary. I think with that offensive line, I, I just felt like they was going to be able to run a little more, but it is the coach. So I ain't bashing them. I mean <laughs> – we know the coach play defense, and we've seen it. They play defense. Um, it, it took some razzle-dazzle, snooking foots from um, Josh Allen. We've seen the shot put throw that he just threw out of nowhere, and um, yep. Knox caught it. You know, it was it was crazy. And in the, wor in the words of, uh, you know, Cody, it was Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things. And we, <laughs> I looked at it, and I'm like, yo, come on. He about to pull this. Either way, it was a fantastic win. Um, Congratulations. Now you got to buckle up and you got to get ready for Baltimore. A different change of pace. Um, that team is going to bring different elements that the coach couldn't bring. Um, so you got you to gotta tighten up and get ready for that. But it was a good win. Very competitive game. And for all the crap I give Phillip Rivers, hey, man, listen, you could have went out worse. I wasn't overly um, upset with your performance. I'm still not a fan of you, but I wasn't overly upset at the performance. I thought the wide receivers um, – I did give them crap because I just didn't feel like they had all that impressive of a wide receiver core. They played better than I thought. And that run game, to Jay's credit, 27 carries for 153 yards and a touchdown between um, Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, I think his name. Um, between those two guys, look, hell of a game. Hell of a, um, you know, it's just one of them tough 
somebody got to win, somebody got to lose because there ain't no ties to postseason. I love it. And um, we'll see what we get this weekend. Yeah, pretty much same thoughts here. I think with Josh Allen, when you look at him, I think the biggest difference we saw was the decision-making. Like, I, I, I texted y'all after that one shovel pass, whatever it was, the end zone, and I was like, I, I saw it happen, and I said, oh, my God, here comes some Josh Allen bullcrap. And then it was like, oh, oh, it worked. Okay, never mind. Like, And that was kind of like the difference <laughs> in the whole game. Josh Allen always made the right decision. He looks like he has matured so much. We always we always knew he could throw the ball out of the stadium and throw it through someone's chest and out the other side and all that. We, we know we knew that, even not coming out of college. But, like, the decision-making and his ability to make his reads and make the right play, man, it's just – it's amazing to watch how much he grew up this season and, you know, from last year and the bad decisions to now. You know, if it wasn't there, he didn't take it. If he needed a run, he took off. He made the right throws. He took his checkdowns when he needed. It was, it was just a – it was a great performance. And they needed it because – even with all that, the Colts were able to still get back in the game. I feel Phillip Rivers played better than I thought he would in this game. I thought the Bills defense is going to eat him up. And like you said, I didn't think this wide receiving core had enough to, to help him out. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be a really good player. They're going to have to get a little younger at that position. Otherwise, you know, T.Y. Hilton's definitely a shell of what he used to be. And they're going to have to find, you know, some some uh, another guy to go with Pittman. I think that'll be high on their priority in the offseason. But they got the running backs figured out. Jonathan Taylor's a stud. Hines is a great change of pace. It's just a little too short. And, you know, like Jay said, it was just missed opportunities. You made you, one or two plays you had to have. You didn't get them. And, well, that's how the playoffs break. And it was a good – it was a valiant effort. But moral victories are what they are. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the second game. Uh, that, that game also didn't disappoint. The uh, Baltimore Ravens rode their momentum into Nashville. They smothered Derrick Henry and escaped with a 20-13 win over the Titans. Lamar Jackson threw for 179 yards, rushed for 136 more, and rallied the team from a 10-point hole to earn his first playoff win. 2,000-yard rusher Derrick Henry was mauled by the Ravens' defense all day, and the rest of the offense couldn't really get anything jump-started. It's a drink. Uh, it's a big win for the Ravens, but who's more to credit, uh, Lamar Jackson or the defense? Um, Lamar Jackson, listen, when you look at the stats of this game, once it's over, this game laid out the way pretty much how I explained it last week. I said, Baltimore go back to their old offense, whereas Lamar Jackson running it with 16 carries for 136 yards and a touchdown. So clearly he was running around. Now, I mean, 179 yards through the air and one interception. He looked at that and said, listen, it's time for me to change up something. What I like is they did exactly what they needed to do. Stop Henry, 18 carries for 40 yards. That's pretty successful at stopping Henry. And then you made Ryan Tannehill try to beat you. He only threw one touchdown and one interception. So you implemented the plan you needed to implement. And I think, you know, the game was still a winnable game for Tennessee, but you gave yourself a chance. It wasn't like last year where you got Derrick Henry running, running all over you and now Lamar Jackson got to throw it 50 times. I'm okay with Lamar Jackson. 24 attempts, take that all day and twice on Sunday. And and, and you get the dub too. So I, I wasn't mad. I, I thought the defense played well. I'm going to give this win to Lamar Jackson because if they would have lost, I would have gave the loss to Lamar Jackson. So I got to give him credit. He finally got over that hump, won him a playoff game. We'll see We'll see next, uh, next week, I'll say. We'll see this weekend how that goes. But, you know, shout out to Marquise Brown. You know, seven uh, seven receptions for 109 yards. Listen, I, I was about ready to label Marquise Brown some, somewhat of a bust. I mean, he, he just wasn't hitting on nothing since he's been wearing a Ravens uniform. He finally showed a little glimpse of life in this game, it seems. So, um, I like that. And, and listen, A.J. Brown, 
he played decent, as, as I see with the stats. But at the end of the day, this is what I said. Baltimore was going to have to run the ball and use somewhat of their old offense more than this whole, we want to make Lamar a passer type deal that they had going on. And I think that's their identity. Like that whole making him a passer thing, that's not your identity. I understand this don't work in today's NFL, blah, blah, blah. But your identity is your identity. And your identity is better when Lamar Jackson feels comfortable in his legs. And then you scheme some things and he throws to Andrews, he throws it to Brown, he throws it to Snead. Um, find Dez Brown when you're in the red zone, whatever the case might be. That's when they're at their best. So, yeah, I think this game played out the way it played, and I'm going to give the credit to uh, Lamar Jackson. I think, I think Lamar Jackson deserves a, a lot of credit for his performance, but I, I do disagree. I think the Baltimore Ravens, I would uh, I would give them a little bit more credit uh, because, I mean, they they they, perf- they had a – it was an outstanding uh, – Were you talking about the defense? Yes, I'm talking about the defense. Their defense oh, okay. was outstanding. They got off to they did get off to a little bit of a slow start. Tennessee on their second drive, they marched right down the field. It looked rather easy. Uh, they had a, on their next drive was a field goal. L- luckily, Baltimore was able to um, you know tighten up in the red zone. It, it was ten nothing, and you had a sense um, that maybe it could be a Baltimore could be in trouble once again. We did say whichever team you know gets out to a lead, it's going to be to the, their advantage. Uh, but even when they got down, you know Derrick Henry. You know, he, he never got loose. And uh, once, um, you know, the, the Ravens kind of settled down, you know, Lamar Jackson made that one, you know, hideous, hideous interception uh, that Malcolm Butler was, you know, more than happy to reel in. His first interception, oh, by the way, since that, uh, you know, that uh, uh, Russell Wilson goal line interception, uh, I can still see Richard Sherman's face in absolute horror in that moment. Um, but uh, this Baltimore defense, you know, they just did a tremendous job. I and mean, when you think about, you know, what Wink Martindale's uh, defense, you know, what, what happened to them in the divisional round last season, um, you know, they they, they must have somewhat held a grudge. You know, they, they took um, – and then the regular season, they lost 30-24 to in overtime. Derrick Henry had – I believe he had the game-winning touchdown in that one. Um, so they came out to – in my mind, they came out to prove a point. They proved it 18 carries for 40 yards. No, I mean, nobody does that to Derrick Henry. Um, and then, of course, you know, it's just I'm absolutely pleased to report uh, that when Derrick Henry gets shut down, uh, Ryan Tannehill does not look like the 30 million dollar man that he's being paid. So that was I'm absolutely pleased that uh, that occurred. Uh, and by the way, and just to go back to Lamar Jackson, he, he was splendid. Um, they, they had him kind of it was the same kind of thing, same kind of feel as last year. You know, some of those design quarterback runs, he just wasn't getting loose. But eventually, you know, a broken play. Um, you know, a drop back pass, you know, they lose contain a little bit. He finds a seam and next day, you know, he's going for a 48 yard touchdown that uh, tied the game up. But the Tennessee offense, after they scored those initial 10 points, uh, they just, they couldn't do anything. And they, they, they couldn't run the ball. And, you know, really outside of AJ Brown, there wasn't a lot going on for their receivers. Uh, Corey Davis, you know, he, he didn't play much in this game. Uh, but uh, yes, when uh, Marcus Peters gets that interception and they dancing all over the logo. I was all for that. I was all for the pettiness of that situation. Thank you, Baltimore, for getting these frauds out of here. You know, I want to be objective here, and I really don't want to, you know, say anything. No, I'm kidding. I was absolutely giddy watching the Ravens square dance all over that logo. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm, I'll be real. You know, I, I was, again, ultimately, he was, he has been real. the, um, 
the, the Baltimore defense. Like we have to understand Derrick Henry would have been the third or fourth leading rusher in the country by just the second half stats. Like that's how ridiculous he was and how much he snowballed, but he never got started. I mean, he literally never, I mean, every time he got a run, the, you had three or four Ravens just shedding blocks running through the line. And we heard all, all, you know, towards the end of the year, Oh, he's running without any all pros on offensive line. Well, Maybe they needed one or two because it looks like when a premier defensive line who actually was finally getting healthy, guys like Campbell been in and out. There's been a couple of dudes, you know, your, your man, Derek Wolf was, was a big contributor. I mean, there's a bunch of guys in that line that are really talented and they finally all got healthy and everything kind of hit at the same time. I and mean, they were just dominant. And it's, it goes back to the problem that Tennessee has right now is they, they kind of are built off this being a big physical football team, but only one half of the ball participates. The defense is just bad. I mean, they're just not a very good defense. And I mean, the Ravens aren't the most, electric ridiculous high-flying offense ever but even they were able to manufacture the points and they just didn't have enough athletes to keep up with Lamar Jackson once he started getting loose that was it and then then it snowballed because as a team the Baltimore Ravens they ran 35 times for 236 yards and two touchdowns that's good for 6.7 a rush I mean that's disgusting and as what we kind of thought coming in could be the difference maker was a Tennessee defense just not being up to snuff as offense as long as Henry does his thing is very hard to beat but if you shut him down you know, you got Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown, and I've been told that's the best thing ever, but I don't know. I just saw it, and I'm still not impressed. I'll give A.J. Brown, though, credit. He, he's, he's pretty good. I, I don't think he's healthy, healthy, so little respect there, but other than that, yeah. Y'all can get up out of here. All right, let's go ahead and go to the last game of the night. And, um, well, this one was by far the most shocking. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, yes, uh, those Browns, they marched into Heinz Field, defied all the odds, and waxed the Pittsburgh Steelers 48-37. The nightmare started for Pittsburgh on the first snap. The center Marquise Pouncey snap flew over Big Ben into the end zone where it was smothered by a Cleveland defender. The disaster continued as mistakes piled up. And the more, you know, harder that Pitt pressed to dig out of the hole, it just got worse. While Ben was able to throw for over 500 yards, he also threw four picks, which sunk any comeback hopes. The Browns win their first playoff game since 1995 on the road at a division rival they never beat without their head coach. Jay, that's uh, pretty storybook stuff. Huh? What, uh, what on earth happened? Um, yeah, storybook. Thank you for throwing that in. I'm I'm so touched um, by this, you know, this you know Cinderella story, so to speak. You know, um, I, I'm this was by far. I can't believe how disgusted I was um, with this. You realize, like, it, it's one thing, and I, you, I, I'm not giving Cleveland a whole lot of credit in this one. I'm not. Um, they, they capitalize off of a bunch of mistakes. Uh, but by and large, uh, Pittsburgh gift wrapped this game to them. You know, it's like they, uh, it's like they, um, we're doing a, a early January Christmas as well. Pittsburgh, you can't. I have never, I have never seen a team play a worse quarter of football than that first quarter. That was that was the worst quarter of football I have ever seen a team play, and it's just shocking when you consider at one point this team was eleven and zero. Continue. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like everyone just, you know, they had just the most horrendous, you know, injury luck. I mean, they got, they got a few guys in and out, but that happens, you know, every team's dealing with some sort of injury issues at this time. Uh, but they just, you know, as the season progressed, they just never found a running game. It's, you know, James Conner and these guys can't do it. You know, Pouncey, DeCastro, Villanueva, Matt Fowler, like it's offensive line. It's still a proud offensive lineup there. It's not like they just can't play anymore, but they just can't figure out how to run the ball. So now Big Ben's just back there throwing it 50, 60 times. Um, but, you know, when you, when, you, when you make that many mistakes that early and then Cleveland, to, again, to their credit, they, they capitalized on every one of them. And next thing you know, you know, some people haven't even sat down yet, you know, fully watching, looking at what's going on, and it's 28 nothing. 
And I mean, it's just, that's just, it, it's hard to overcome that, you know, and they, they made a run, but it just, you know, Mike Tomlin had a, what a fourth and one around midfield, you know, Pittsburgh had momentum at that point in the second half. And uh, he, he elected to pump the ball. And next thing you know, Nick Chubb's taking a screen pass to the house. Um, that was, that was Pittsburgh's chance to, you know, keep the pressure on and keep the momentum and they gave it up and Cleveland, you know, they took advantage of it yet again. Um, but I mean, Pittsburgh, this was, I mean, this was just beyond disappointing the way this season ended. And, you know, you know, I, 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 I love Mike Tomlin and I, I really, I like this Pittsburgh team. You know, I, I have to, I have to use Pittsburgh and live vicariously through them because Denver's so bad. Uh, but and this was disappointing and Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's better than this. And I think, you know, they gotta, they gotta take a look at, at what went wrong and they got, it's, they gotta, they gotta get back to the physicality and the, you know, the old, the old brand of Steeler football where they, you know, punch people in the mouth at the line of scrimmage. And they just, you know, as the season wore on, they did that less and less. And when you play one dimensional with a quarterback approaching, you know, 40 years of age, that's just, that's just a lot to ask. That's just a lot to ask of him. And, um, you know, it, it just did not turn out in their favor on this day. You know, <clears throat> I'm glad they called the Pittsburgh Steelers because that's exactly what they did. Stole our precious time coming out here with that bull crap. That's what they did. Listen, um, I don't – what, what are we doing here? Mike Tomlin? And I said – you know what? Remember what I said. I said this team had a pencil to just play like they so up and down. They haven't been consistent all year. And then you come in here – and you just lay an uh, egg. Yeah, I, I got what the final score was. But everybody that watched that game know damn well this game wasn't that close. So don't give me the bull. And if you want to tell, oh, well, Big Ben threw for 501 yards on 68 attempts. Oh, don't forget about them four interceptions. He threw the other way, too. Like, this this is like, this game was, it was ever a game for a team, the winning team to get overhyped. Because it, it sounds kind of crazy when you be like, oh, Man, this team is overhyped, but they won the game. Cleveland is overhyped. They about to go and get smacked up by the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, right now. I didn't see. The only thing I seen, they gave me, like, some glimpse because it wasn't Baker Mayfield. I'm telling you right now. I ain't sold on Baker Mayfield. I don't want to hear that bull crap. But Nick Chubb still ran well, so at least you still got that going for yourself. I mean, did he score a touchdown? No, but I, I do like the 76 points. Uh, the 76 yards against this Pittsburgh still a defense. Um, they still play defense when they want to, I guess. Um, but um, all in all, man, like, I was just – they got to find a way to be consistent. They need somebody. I'm not saying, like, Mike Tomlin need to be fired. and I'm not saying that. But they do – they need somebody to drop the hammer. They need a Tom Coughlin or something. Somebody just run around here creating hate and just discontent and, like – Let's line it up and do what you're supposed to do because look at this this mess, man. This is unacceptable. You was way too good to come out here with this mess. Way too good. This is not like overachieving. Like, you guys was good. You had a good defense. You had a good quarterback. You had a good wide receiver core. All right, running back core left a little to be desired, but okay. But the rest of the team was playing phenomenal. And then you, you showed this is what you do on wild card weekend. So, yeah. I was over it. They we sh they should get robbed for stealing our time with this bull crap. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's an easy thing to just think, oh, the Browns deserve no credit for this at all. But, I mean, yeah, I think three of the interceptions actually came when the game was still, like, within reason. Three of those interceptions came within, like, the first quarter and then the very beginning of the second quarter. So it's even more an excuse. Well, I can see in the fourth quarter if you're down by 28 and you're just throwing up whatever crap. You're running four verts every play. But, like, they were bad picks. I mean, they weren't just like, oh, oops, it tipped off someone and tipped three times and the guy caught. They was just like, oh, I'm just going to throw it to the guy wearing orange and white. Like, oops. Like the first, it, two, it the first two were just airmails. Like, you just threw them way too high, and they bounce yeah. off a of dude's fingers, and they're and like, easy. The first play of the game, you go down 7 nothing. Like, oh, crap. Okay, well, we lost the coin toss then, basically. Oh, well, just, just go down the field. We'll score, tie it up, whatever. We'll just start from zero from there. But then you throw a pick on that drive, and it just, it just cascaded from there. And then it was just so far behind. It was just ridiculous to watch the rest of the game, you know, prevent defense and whatever else. And what disappoints me the most is, you know, the Steelers were, were really famous this year for all the TikTok and all the nonsense and Juju's dancing and all the, all the clownery on social media. But after they go out there and get absolutely waxed by little brother, they're still talking about that kind of crap you know they're saying oh well yeah the, yeah they won but then that's not really what happened or like they're just they're still like parading around like just took your tail between your legs say you got absolutely smoked by a team you shouldn't have lost to and like cut the crap because like like drink said like someone's someone's gotta be out here like spreading nails on the field and, and something because this is just this isn't Steelers football and I again I don't think it's Mike Tomlin but I, I think that they need to start literally considering moving on from big Ben, I would be absolutely drafting his replacement uh, this year. And I don't know, give him one more year. You want to bring the band back together. You still got, you still have your window, but it's, it's getting about time. I think to move on. Let's go over to the NFC and cover our other three playoff games. The LA Rams stunned the Seahawks Saturday, taking a 30 to 20 win over their division rival. The Rams started John Walford at quarterback, but he was quickly taken out of the game by a big hit from Jamal Adams. Jared Goff, despite the thumb injury, was able to come in and manage the game while the Rams defense absolutely trashed the Seahawks attack. So Jay, I guess we got to give the Rams some credit. That's a big performance, huh? Yeah, this, um, this whole Rams defense thing is, um, they they pretty good. Um, I forget the I forget the dude's name uh, that runs this defense. I really do. Um, but man, he got a he's got to be a you know an up and coming candidate for a, for you know a head coaching position perhaps. Um, you know, much like we questioned you know uh, from time to time before the season. Uh, you know, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, who else is going to even be on this defense after you just maxed out those two guys and you, you know, everybody else is you know out here it's- sweeping up dollar crumbs or whatever his name is uh real quick brandon staley is his name brandon that's right brandon staley thank you for that uh but can we also give some love to one leonard floyd you know leonard floyd sacked uh russell wilson i believe seven times this year seven times in three games that's something that's something to behold um so you know you got him out here doing his thing uh john johnson at safety i thought he had a pretty good night and then darius williams you know he cut what what a play darius williams made on that little quick screen that he just steps in front of the receiver and it's just a pick six um you know that that defense i I can't say enough about them you know that was that was a great performance offensively um with the rams well i mean i I think it pretty much it starts to it, it starts and stops with cam Akers. You know, what a what a job by, you know, the rookie from Florida State um, who, you know, as the season has worn on, has, you know, cemented himself as their, um, you know, he's you got Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson back there as well. But Akers is, you know, he's the he's the guy now, in my estimation. You know, we 
we all, you know, kind of wondered where they would go and what it would look like with, you know, no Todd Gurley. And we know at least, you know, I, I still believe that Jared Goff needs to be propped up by a, you know, superior run game, especially on a night where he can't throw the football um, accurately at all. I mean, nine for 19, you know, that, that thumb appeared to still be a real issue for him. Um, but, you know, give, give credit to Sean McVay, give credit to this Rams defense, uh, Aaron Donald leading the charge once again. Uh, he was an absolute uh, stud on the field. And then, and then to Seattle, I think you can be just somewhat, maybe a little less disappointed in, in Seattle than you were Pittsburgh. Or maybe it's the same thing. I know Seattle was drink Super Bowl pick in that conference. Uh, but I mean, I mean, what, what, what is this? I mean, Russell Wilson, 11 for 27. I mean, that's not excusable no matter the defense. So I just don't know. And it, it seemed like the second half of the season, they just kind of got into some bit of a rut. Uh, you know, top, uh, DK Metcalf, you know, had a, you know, by the numbers, it looks okay, but I still don't think his overall impact was what you would want. Uh, Tyler Lockett's a no-show. They, they, they didn't have anybody else in this receiving core do anything. I mean, it, it just starts and stops to me, 11 for 27. I mean, you, I, from what to Wilson, guy who expects, uh, you know, to be in the MVP, can, uh, MVP conversation year after year, and it, who we look at, I think, as a, you know, top three quarterback, it's just inexcusable. That Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, that, I mean, it's, they gotta be. They gotta be better than this. You can't be getting bounced in the first round. Yeah, um, highly disappointing. And for me, um, I, yeah, this this one was a little more disappointing. Pittsburgh. So I don't. I just thought Pittsburgh just was lackluster at best, losing to Cleveland. But Seattle was my uh, Super Bowl pick before the season. Now I did wait off for them for the same reason. I'm about to say now, this was Russell Wilson all year. He was in the MVP conversation. Then he go to Buffalo and lose. And after that, it was just where Buffalo come to him. But still, they lost. And this was Russell Wilson. And I felt like, as Jay said, you would just think, okay, it's the postseason. It's Russell Wilson. It's Pete Carroll. They'll get it done at least for one win. They'll win the wild card game. Much credit to the Los Angeles Rams defense. And let me, let me say this. Hey, Jalen Ramsey. I don't care what you had to do to get out of Jacksonville. You deserve all that. Like, yo, you the truth. Like, this dude shut down during everybody he had to guard this year. He ain't messing around. And we know what Aaron Donald is. Aaron Donald, <laughs> his reputation speaks for himself, right? Um, this, this defense was incredible. Like, I remember, I was thinking the Rams was going to be a, a, a floor man. Didn't take them serious. They're spending all this money. They're going to have to pay it back. Sean McVay ain't as smart as people think. Yeah, everything was going down. And then the next thing you know, look what we got here. And they beat – Seattle ought to be ashamed of this. You lost to Jared Goff. Jared Goff already just – just the factory of Jared Goff without being hurt or anything ain't really, you know, nothing to, to be, you know, right home about. And then you got beat with – a Jared Goff with nine good working fingers. Nine. So you you got to think to yourself, after you smoke old Waffle, you got him out of here. So you would think, oh, okay, now we got a little advantage. And then Waffle come back and he doing a Teddy two-step out there on the sideline because they won the game. Like, I, and I know that has nothing to do with the overall result of the game, but I just thought I would mention. So, you know, Listen, Metcalf, um, five receptions. Yeah, it looked good, but Jalen Ramsey, he locked you up. 11 targets. 11, on 11 targets. Okay, bam. Jalen Ramsey, 
he he ate your lunch. Oh, hey, Tyler Lockett, wh- where was you? Where was, what was Tyler Lockett? He had one nice catch. Yeah, he was two for 43, uh, longest of 24 yards. He had two, like, 20-yard catches, basically. Oh, well, his stat looked just like his performance. Not it. Because, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like – See, I was highly disappointed. I was cussing, fussing, and I'm a little over it now. But um, I was like, what is this? But the Rams, I got to get a Rams credit. And Cam Akers, listen, listen, young fella. I was told the Rams didn't even have an offensive line. But somehow he calls out 131 yards. So it got to be a line somewhere. But listen, good good win for the Rams. And I'm interested to see how, they, how it go down this weekend. But look, good win for the Rams. And Seattle, I don't know what you do. You you got, uh, you know, where, where do you go from here? More offensive linemen? Hey, Pete Carroll, maybe just, maybe you just might want to upgrade that offensive line. So, but doesn't need to hear no doubt. I'll draft okay. another linebacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, talk about Cam Akers, man. Uh, he was, he's so talented. I, I, I know, like, the last year at Florida State, I, I watched all that all those games that offensive line, I would have argued on my deathbed or on anything you want to put my hand on. That was the worst offensive line in power five football. And it wasn't close. Like I think people, I think the Rams saw in him was correct that he got drafted ahead of where he was projected for a good reason. Now I would still try to get one more back at 28 carries, 131 yards. That's, that's a lot of work. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but the, the guy's a stud. He's special. He can do it all in the backfield. You know, you get like a big, like bowling ball type running back behind him to just kind of soak up some of those carries they're going to be set you know they, they had a really good draft a better one than they should have had given the expectations and then you know jared goff comes in here with one your throwing hand having your thumb injured is a really big deal i mean it's a really big you talk quarterback coaches and, and dudes that have thrown it's a big deal and for him he did not look great obviously but he made the right plays he didn't throw a pick he didn't do anything dumb he just took what they gave him and that defense carried him man and, and what's funny about that defense it's not just ramsey and donald there's plenty of dudes i mean it's like everyone is just somehow good like everywhere you go this is another defensive back making a player, another linebacker flying around or a pass rusher. Even Aaron Donald comes out. They were still tearing him up. I, I forgot, I forgot he left, you know, that whole quarter he had left. I was like, is he, is he, is that, you know, it's, it's insane. So they, they've built a team there, man. And um, yeah, I'll get, yeah. Seahawks. You're wasting Russell Wilson. You are absolutely wasting him. I mean, yeah, you're going to get 10, 11 wins. Sure. But this is ridiculous. I mean, th- this offensive line was absolutely horrible. I get the Rams are good. I get they have a good pass rush, but you went out and drafted a linebacker well, to replace who? Bobby Wagner? Oh, let's see. Oh, he had uh, 16 total tackles, 11 solo, a sack, a tackle for a loss, and a quarterback hit. But you really needed Jordan Brooks, right? You couldn't have used a center or a guard to maybe help out with Donald or any – no, just another linebacker. That'll probably fix it. It's 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 <laughs> supremely disrespectful to Wilson, and he didn't have a great game. He really didn't. I'm not sure what he was supposed to do. His best weapon is DK Metcalf. He had a Jalen Ramsey-shaped backpack on everywhere he went. The rest of the guys didn't show up. You know, I don't – I don't think Chris Carson that was, that, good. that was good. I mean, I, I don't like – you watch – it's Chris Carson stuff. I mean, he's fine. I don't know. I, I'm, I've never been impressed. Bottom line, oh. though, this was I – mean, I ain't trying to slander the man, but I just – I don't know. Like, just, I, need, I, want, I need some more out of that. He, he had a fine stat line, 16 for 77. He's not bad, but I don't know. It just, it just feels like they only really have Russell Wilson and then just some parts and it just the defense is here and there, and they just – I don't know. This team's going to be blown up. Or they need to be managed better, but they they signed their GM for another hundred years and they fired the offensive coordinator. So I don't know. Maybe if maybe, you if you if you feel that strongly about your GM, then he should probably do a little bit better at certain positional groupings. 
I don't think the problem with Seattle, I think, is they're they're not good up front. I don't think on either side. They're not particularly impressive in the trenches on either side. And that's where most football games are one lost. Yeah, hey, before we transition. Oh, I was gonna say before we transition. Could could you hit that one more time? What what did DJ uh, what did DK Metcalf have on? Had himself a Jalen Ramsey shaped backpack. I like that. He I had, like that. You know he had his, and if you look at the coverage stats, just Ramsey versus him, it's even better. I mean, the few passes he got, Ramsey wasn't in like man to man, you know, single coverage, so it, it's disgusting. But yeah. anyway, moving on. Um, you know, we have two other games here. Uh, less shocking results, obviously. Brady and the Bucks. They put away the football team, thirty-one twenty-three Saturday night. You know, Brady. He was you know playoff Tom. He threw for three hundred eighty-one yards, two touchdowns. Without Alex Smith, though, Washington they still put up a fight, led by backup quarterback Taylor Hanicki. Uh, Heineke? Heineke, Heineke, yeah. Yeah. Heineke, yeah. I remember how they were saying it. Uh, he threw for 306 yards. He ran for 46 more, and he tried to gut out a win, man, but he did fall short. So, Drink, uh, we kind of expected this from the Bucks. Did this performance really kind of move the needle on this team for you going forward? For the Bucks or the, the Washington the football for the, team? For the Bucks, like as you look oh. at the rest of the playoffs. You know? Oh, the rest of the playoffs. Um, I don't know, man. You, you're going to play a little stiffer competition. Um, You ain't playing no Tyler Heineke's for the rest of the playoffs. Um. So, not not so. Actually, it, for me, it might cause a little pause because I was thinking this game was gonna be over in three quarters, and then the fourth quarter was just gonna be, hey man, let's get some of these other guys in, you know. Um, and that didn't happen. I mean, like you asked, you asked this question earlier: a win is a win. Yes, a win is a win. So I'm not knocking it, but I'm gonna tell you like this: they're gonna have to play a lot better than this to beat whoever that the win this weekend because you ain't getting no title, Hanukkah. And did I say Tyler Honeycutt? Let's go ahead and bring him on in on the big screen. I think this dude was a pleasant surprise for Ron Rivera. I really do. I ain't Ron Rivera. You know, he was like, whatever. We playing with house money. Let me go and roll this cat out here that I ain't never heard of or seen before. And then he went out there. And listen, for what it's worth, I th- he played well. Like, this no-name dude, like, for what it's worth, I thought he played. He made some plays. He made that offense look better than we thought it would look because I thought that offense was going to be downright just stagnant, a bunch of three and outs. But no, uh, he, he moved the ball. And as you see in the, the, the box score, like, they they play. I, I like this guy. I, I wonder if this guy got a future on the football team. But I like what I've seen out of him for this one game. And let's remember this. This one game was a playoff game. It wasn't week 16, the team that locked up the playoff spot and they resting everybody. No, no, no. This is a playoff game, so it mattered. So he played. He played a, the best uh, Tampa Bay Bucks defense that you're gonna get because all the starters out there. And he, and he played well, I thought. Um, Cam Sims. I, I love this game. Thinking this for everything that we say about the Washington Football Team. I think next year they could possibly be something. They could possibly be a contender. And why do I say that? Is because. Ron Rivera seems to be breaking this team down and building it back up, kind of. And I, I like – he still need to get a quarterback. It's still a lot of pieces he need to get, but he seems to have these guys spirited and want to play for him. It's not none of this lackadaisical, uh, poo-poo, poor me, oh, they got rid of Haskins, it's none of that. So I, I, I really like what the football teams are doing in the future. Now – over to Tampa Bay, you know, Tom Brady did Tom Brady things. We had Leonard Fournette almost ran for 100. That's a good sign. With Ronald Jones out, you can depend on Leonard Fournette a little more. So I like that. 
you got Mike Evans, you, you had uh, Chris Godwin, and then we even had um, Antonio Brown um, sighting. So I think they have the pieces. We, I guess the question for me is, can the Bucks pieces come together well enough to win this weekend? Because now you're going to be playing a team that can do what you can do. Where now you're not playing a team that's deficient at, you know, key positions, I should say. You're not playing a one-sided team. You're going to play a little more balanced. So, you know, can you do it again? But, you know, I think the game went out the way we seen it going out. But shout out to old Heineke. I, I seen you, baby. I seen you. Yeah, this uh, this performance for Tampa Bay will start there. It didn't uh, it didn't move the needle for me much at all. Um, you know, Tampa Bay they they did what they had to do. They took care of business. I, I really thought um, you know for Washington to win this game, their defensive line would really need to to really dominate and you know keep keep the heat on Brady the whole game. Uh, they they did have three sacks, but it wasn't the consistent uh, pressure that you would need to you know make him you know really uncomfortable and you know get a get a turnover here and there they couldn't force him into you know an awful decision um so but I, I will say for for Washington and I don't I, I'm not going to come out here and say that oh yeah they found their guy they found him no I, I don't think they I don't think that happened but at minimum Ron Rivera can like look at this guy Tyler Heine, uh, Taylor Heineke and say you know what at minimum we got a guy you know that can come in and compete on any given day and give us a chance you know, so at, at minimum, they have themselves who what looks to be a very competent backup. I think, and that, I mean, that's worth, that's something, you know, to be proud of. He came out there in a playoff game on a, on a big stage against the GOAT. You know, he put up a whale of a fight and he didn't have, and he didn't have much of a running game uh, supporting him. Although, you know, it was the number one ranked uh, run defense, Tampa Bay. So we do got to give them credit for that. Uh, but for Tampa Bay, you know, uh, moving forward, uh, they got the Saints this weekend. The Saints and the Saints is not the 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 red team as I call them. Um, they they bring in all of it. Uh, they don't. The Saints don't have uh, they don't have much of a weakness, in my estimation. Uh, they're going to come out there with uh, you know they got multiple cover guys. Uh, their, their defensive line you know they can get pressure. Uh, Demario Davis and Lombard. I mean, in Tampa Bay, you know, week one um, they you know, it was a statistically, it was kind of a somewhat close game, but they lost by double digits. And in the second, the second round two, it was, it was a knockout in the early rounds. Um, so th this performance doesn't, uh, it, I'm not encouraged by this at all. If they want to beat New Orleans, they're going to have to play a lot better or New Orleans going to have to play a lot worse. Uh, but as currently constructed, um, uh, you Tampa Bay fans should feel pretty uneasy hitting in a divisional round. Yeah, I think that um, I, I would say some of this could have been Tampa Bay just maybe underestimating Washington a little bit. I don't know if they expected that kind of resistance, especially because remember it was kind of like a game time. Is Alex Smith going to play? Is he not? And it's like, oh, Alex Smith didn't even play him. Well, let's just get on out of here. And then this other dude shows up. A fourth year man out of Old Dominion of all places. Uh, he wasn't even on a roster last year. Heineke, he was literally not. He was. I think they said he was like studying in college. He was like studying. He studies like quantum physics or some crazy nonsense. But, uh, you know, this dude just shows up in balls. And I mean, it's like, well, Dwayne who I mean we got here's here's our one of our guys right here so I mean I don't think he's gonna be the, you know, I mean, the starter going into next year off of one game but you gotta wonder how some of these guys just kind of slip through the cracks with these first round picks you know they get to be tolerated and they get kicked around to seven teams and it's like man but anyway you know uh Heineke aside obviously Washington was just outgunned the, the vast talent difference you know made it up you gotta think though it's the Tampa Bay team if it's going to click if all these talent and all this stars all these older guys and whatever is all gonna mesh and they're gonna click 
this is the when you got to do it, right? Because you're, you're coming up to – your back's going to be against the wall next week. Um, but I think this is a good tune-up game. I like what I saw from Leonard Fournette. He had a nice night. Uh, maybe they'll lean on him more in the playoffs. I don't know. But um, overall, yeah, I think as expected, but Washington was a pleasant surprise. And, and like you know, like you said, Drink, it, they're, they're, the future is bright for this team. There, there's some moves, but Rivera – He's got, he's got a core here. I think they can really build off of it. But, um, and you know, you're seven and nine. You shouldn't be in the playoffs anyways. This is all gravy. Um, anyway, the, and finally, the most um, expected outcome, the Saints were able to dispatch the Bears 21 to nine in a game that wasn't as close as 21 to nine even sounds. Uh, Drew Brees was classic. Uh, Alvin Kamara was a workhorse, and the Saints defense was a brick wall. Uh, the Bears couldn't mount much of an attack, despite the defense hanging tough for a while. So pretty cut and dry right here, Jay. Just vast differences in these teams. I, yeah, I, and I got to really give credit to New Orleans for just, you know, far too often, we, you know, we look at two teams and we just say, this is what should happen. And it's just, it's so nice when a team actually comes out there and handles their business, <laughs> not like Pittsburgh or Seattle. So thank you so much, She's New Orleans, fan. for, you know, for being who we thought you were. Um, you no, know, no, we need to thank the Bears for being who we thought they were. That's what we and did. the Bears, and the Bears. Um, I, mean, what, I mean, what can you say about the Saints? I mean, as I, as I just said, I, I don't think, you know, they're, they're so well balanced. There's, I mean, if you nitpick, you, you still, I think, you know, maybe you'd like to see them, you know, throw the ball down the field a little bit more. But listen, they run the ball. They play defense. Uh, they got, you know, they got two running backs that can get it done. You know, Taysom Hill comes in there and does, you know, the Swiss Army knife type thing. Uh, Drew Brees, you know, he is accurate. You know, he's on time, you know, just running that offense to perfection. Michael Thomas comes back there and there, makes an impact. Devontae Harris is it. Uh, Deontay Harris, excuse me. You know, he's doing all kinds of things in the short passing game. Hell, he was, a, you know, a pretty much, I don't think he's, I don't think he's had that much work. You know, seven for 83, that was a big, that was a big game for him. Um, and, then, and then, you know, on the other side, uh, the New Orleans Saints basically just, uh, you know, were a stop sign out there and said, you know, you're not Chicago offense. No, you're not doing anything. And then, of course, you know, of course, Jimmy Graham would score a touchdown with zero seconds left in the game to make it look like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we, we, uh, we almost covered the spread or what, I don't know, whatever they're trying to prove there. The, the, the Bears, I mean, more than anything else, more than Washington and more, more than the red team. They, they had no business being in the playoffs. They, they didn't. And I, I, we're so, I'm, so, I'm so glad that they've been dispatched properly back to the Windy City. Uh, uh, bundle up, stay warm. Uh, but, you know, enjoy the playoffs with the rest of us uh, on the couch. So, so check this out, right? I'm going to start out with this Jimmy Graham crap. Yeah, I mean, last time you see some dude with a walk-off touchdown and they still lose. He had a walk-off touchdown. Yeah, time on the clock. He holding the beautiful ball. Catch. Like, yeah, that was yeah. a beautiful catch. That was a one-handed, just like, I mean, it was beautiful. But, He's uh, celebrating in the Saints like, oh, hey, man, go take that L on back to the locker room. Can I just say, he, yeah, even, even with that, Trubisky out here still with a 13 QBR. So, listen, and, and I'm pretty sure the Saints was like, hey, Jimmy, hey, you remember when you played for us and you wanted wide receiver money? Hey, good luck with that. So, enough. um... Look, I'm going to keep this short and sweet, just like we did last week, because um, I ain't wasting my time on these sorry-ass bears. You can go out here best believe it. Um, but I think the Saints, they did what they were supposed to do. I think Jay summed that up pretty good. And thank you, Bears, for being the Bears, because your sorry-ass shouldn't have been in the playoffs either. At least Washington showed us something. They gave us Heineken. What did you give us? A walk-off touchdown for the L? 
Get out of here. Yeah, that's that's all I got for this game. Yeah, I, I feel a little bad for the Bears defense. They tried. I mean, they sure tried, but this offense is so unbelievably putrid. You know, I thought the Bears corners were a little better than they, they played. They, they were kind of getting tore up a little bit, but maybe I was just imagining that. And I did I did halfway expect Trubisky to come out here and pull some crap and actually put up a game and then make them, like, reconsider all their life decisions at this point, but he did not. He did not. Uh, David Montgomery did not. And, yo, free my man, Allen Robinson. He's getting out of town. Give him a ticket. Just – Send his stuff later on, you know. You can come home, man. I'll, we'll take you back. We will pay you whatever you want. Come on home. You know, I heard the stat today on him real quick. This poor guy, since he's been in the NFL, that they've ruled that 64% of his passes he's been thrown have been deemed catchable. That's – I'll just leave it at that. Saints I, say, I, I would totally – I'm totally down for Allen Robinson Jacksonville reunion. I, I'd, like, I'd like to see that. We got Trevor Lawrence, man. We got – Maybe herbs. I don't know. Like, it'll that be dude, fun. Just come that, on. Dude's, that dude's really never had a quarterback. And yet, like, oh, you know, it, it, it's hard, like, it's hard to justify it. But, I mean, the guy probably make a good case for him being a top 10 receiver. That guy's, that guy's great. Oh, yeah. If he had a quarterback, it'd be no competition. He's, gonna, he's, he's a, going to get paid. He's going to get paid this offseason, which is good. He deserves it. He a poor man's DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, maybe that's good. All right, fellas, we're going to end it off with uh, college football, probably the last segment of the year. And we, of course, are looking at a new national champion, a season unlike any other. That was probably the most unpredictable season in our lifetimes, ended in possibly the most predictable way. The Alabama Crimson Tide defeated the Ohio State Buckeyes 52-24, to claiming their third title in the college football playoff era. Quarterback Mac Jones further boosted his draft stock, going for five touchdowns. Also, Heisman winner Devontae Smith absolutely wrecked Ohio State, hauling in 12 catches for 215 yards and three touchdowns. That's despite only playing about a half. The win caps off a 13-0 season, almost pure domination, where the Tide averaged almost 50 points per game and outscored opponents by 29 on average. The victory is also the seventh title for Nick Saban overall, making him the winningest coach by titles in college football history, surpassing Bear Bryant's six. So, Drink, uh, back on top once again, right? Uh, give us your thoughts on the game and tell us uh, what made this Alabama team special. Well, you know, when we was uh, getting ready to close out the show last week, what, what did I tell you we was going to bring to Miami? <laughs> the trophy case. You're damn right. Let's roll, baby. So here's the deal. Um, you know, we <laughs> we came down there. You know, we had a, del- a little delay to the game because, you know, you had to roll that big trophy case. In. It was just too many. Um, and, and listen, for if we keep the same context that we had with the NFL, my boys came and did exactly what they were supposed to do. Um, but I do want to give credit to Ohio State. Before I talk this trash, let me say this. Um, I think Ohio State played about as good as they could have. Um, and I said this last week. It was, it's going to be very hard for a team that only played seven games to come play a team that played an all-SEC schedule, then played Notre Dame, and then coming in here. I, I just thought it was too much to ask for Ohio State. I thought man for man, Ohio State, they, they made some play. I, I was impressed with Ohio State defense. Even though we torched the secondary, I think they front seven was playing about as good as they could. And the reason I know that is because I listened to Najee Harris' interview after the game, and he was like, yo, these dudes were smoking me out there. They, they weren't messing around. But we're, we're just more seasoned, and they knew how to handle it. But Ohio State, for their credit, you know, I thought they played as good as they could. 
and and you know what, Ron Day, listen, hats off. We'll see next year. You know if you can get over that hump. But I, I thought, you know, Ron Day, he got out coached. Um, I think, I think they lost three areas in this game, and and they needed to win at least one. To me, they ran even. Uh, okay, so they ran even with the talent. I think talent level was even, but when it came to coaching. And when it came to um, schematic schemes, whether that's offense or defense, I think Alabama was just a couple of steps ahead. Um, that one touchdown where Devontae Smith is getting covered by a linebacker, that ain't it. That that ain't it. Hey, that Coons or whatever the defense, that ain't it. That First and foremost, that was super disrespectful. I don't give a damn how good tough balling is. You ain't putting no middle linebacker on the Heisman Trophy one. Okay. I digress. Let me not let me not get dive too deep into that. Um, Mac Jones, the Joker. Um, I went I went over the awards last week. I'm not gonna do it this time. But for all these people that say, "Hey, Mac Jones just a product of Alabama's recruiting prowess," why just why wouldn't Justin Fields be a product of Ohio State recruiting prowess? Or why wouldn't Trevor Lawrence be a product of Clemson recruiting prowess? I'm just saying, because I find it outrageous for, for Matt Jones to come out here and play week after week, playing the top competition at the time and, and dominating it. But then it's one of those things, oh, he's just a product. He's not that good. What the hell you want the man to do? Not, and he had nine incompletions. Like, what do you want him to do? He threw for 464 yards. The wide receiver can't throw, throw the ball and catch it. Somebody got to throw it to him. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, man, shouts out to Matt Jones. I hope he he – it seems as if he didn't play his way into the first round. We'll see how that go. Um, but but shouts out to him. Um, Najee Harris. Now, if you look at the yards, you, you might say, man, Najee Harris didn't play that well. Najee Harris did exactly what we needed him to do. Exactly. Especially with that over the, the, the top screen that looked like he was about to go out of bounds and Najee just – like gently turned around and caught it and scored a touchdown. Man, can't teach that stuff, man. That that's that's skill, time, practice, repetition, just athleticism. You can't teach that. So you know, Najee, twenty-two carries, seventy-nine yards, two touchdowns, and then he also caught seven passes for seventy-nine yards and touchdown. Listen, and that's just those two. But you know, I got to get to the Slim Reaper, baby. One, the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae. Silky smooth Smith. You know what it is. Um, if you don't think he's silky smooth, just go back and look at the first half of that national championship and tell me what you think. So this dude did all his damage in one half of football. Could you imagine being listen? Let me ask you something. Could you imagine being so good at whatever you do that you only had to put in a half a day work and you still your productivity is still better than everybody else that put in a four days work? Like that's, that's nice. what that was. <laughs> That's what that was. In one half, he did more than – do you know he he had almost more – I think it, it might well, have been more. He had more than all yeah, of okay. Ohio State's total you, Yeah, you know what I was about to say. It was like yeah. 203 to 91 and – 191 and 2, I think it was. I remember the graphic. Yo, yeah. he, he outproduced the entire team. And then, and then I got I got to give a shout-out to the GOAT, baby. Because, you know, he did something that – I think it was small and minute, but I think it will benefit Alabama in the future. Jaden Waddle got in the game, 
And I, I mean, once he caught that first pass, I was hoping I didn't see him again. He did come back in later, and you know he was in and out. But I was just happy to see him catch that one pass and what's most likely going to be his last game as an uh, Alabama Crimson Tide uh, player. So I was happy to see he got on the field. But then what really got me was I seen my boy Landon Dixon get get the last snap before they wrap it up. You know, Landon Dixon had surgery on his knee 20 days ago. Well, at that time, it was 20 days before that game. That is incredible. I, that, I didn't see that they put him in the last snap. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. that was incredible. That was that almost brought a tear to my eye. You know, I had to watch. I watched every bit of it, but it almost brought a tear to my eye because I was like, man, these players clearly these players were telling um, Coach Saban this was an important game that he know he know who going like he know who leaving he know this their last game and and for him to allow that I mean it was kind of dangerous but. He still did it, and he probably made that guy's life. Like, he made his career by doing that and allowing him to play in his last game, snapping the last snap. That's, that was beautiful, man. That was beautiful. And then another thing, listen, the defense, right? Um, one of the biggest things I was hearing throughout was, hey, you know Alabama defense. It ain't what it used to be. Y'all can give up points, and that's true. In today's offense, you will give up points. It's no shutdown defense. Not if you playing a competent offense. Now, if you playing Georgia with Stetson Bennett, yeah, you might shut them down. Yeah, that might happen. Oh, no. You playing Tennessee no. with Jared Ganataro, yeah, you oh, might shut them down. But oh, no. when you playing when you playing top notch um, competition, the Ohio State's, the Clemson's, you know, the Bama's, the um, the 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 Oklahoma's, the, the Florida's, when you're playing those top notch teams that can throw the ball and run the ball and all this stuff. You're not going to completely stop them. That's just the way it is. This is not 2009, like where you can see the play coming from a mile away. This is not that football no more. Did you see how Devontae Smith was just doing this the whole game in the first in the first half? Sark got him doing figure eights and snowmans and doing all types of crap out there, and he's still getting. You know what I mean, he, he's it's incredible, man. That that is today's football, man. And and people don't understand that. So when you bat, when we bash these defenses, we we kind of have to look at even though that's why I said oh, I thought Ohio State played pretty decently outside the secondary. Secondary, you know what I'm saying? Big question mark. Sean Wade might he might be coming back next year. He might not be coming. Back. I don't know. We'll see. But the front seven, like I said, and that kid Banks, look number seven Banks. Yo, I was impressed with that guy. I really. Yo, he was out there laying the boom. He played pretty good. I thought he was playing pretty good coverage. They started picking on Wade because Banks was making a name for himself. And then I don't know what happened. I think Ohio State got a little lethargic. And then after that little apathetic attitude, Alabama kind of just killed the wheel. Um, but you you what's undersold is you got guys like Mitchell, eight catches, you know, eight catches for 81 yards. On a normal team, you're like, damn, that's pretty good. Man, ain't nobody even say much about that. Like, you know, people still talking about Mitchell killing the dude from Florida. They ain't saying nothing about <laughs> what he been doing since <laughs> since that game. We still, we still like, yeah, hey, that really happened. So, hey, hey, that guy's still on the field, by the way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, so you need some water. The, they did say it was an ongoing investigation, but either way, like, I, I just looked at this and I said Ohio State 
for what it's worth, they gave their best foot for it. And I said this before the game, it, no one was going to be Alabama this year. That's just what it is. That's why I had so much confidence in this team. It's just all the intangibles, we've seen it on display in this championship game. What do I mean? Why don't they have to be out there? But he wanted to be out there. Dixon didn't have to be out there, but he wanted to be out there. And, you know, the cherry on top before I wrap this up, my man Nick was crying because he do truly believe this is the best team he's ever coached because of what they had to go through and how they handled it. They handled it like professionals. It wasn't no tomfoolery. It wasn't no, we got to shut down the facility for coronavirus. It wasn't none of that. I mean, really, Nick was brought the biggest threat we had on the team when it came to coronavirus. So with that said, just everything about this team was beautiful, man. I was, I'm happy to see my boys win, put the cherry on the top, but I would I would be remiss if I don't keep it on. We might lose two or three games next year. But, you know, <laughs> hey, <laughs> it might be a little, you know, a little shaky next year. But we got it done this year, team of the ages. And, and, and listen, Ohio State, I hope y'all got another running back. Uh, maybe Sermon going to come back because Master T, he ain't going to cut it. Oh, but – what I did want to say, do not be surprised if Justin Fields forego the draft and come back for a senior season. Do not be surprised. I'm telling you, I got a strange feeling that he was not overly impressed with his own self this season, and he, he didn't like – I wouldn't be surprised if he came back. Just be on the lookout for that. But all that said, roll tide, you know what it is. Because we see what they don't and say what they want. We brought the trophy back with the case. You know what it is. I think the word on the street was they actually had to get another case. The first case didn't uh, fit all the stuff in there. You're right. Um, you're right. You know what, Al- I mean, what, what more can you say about Alabama than, uh, you know, what Drink just said? I mean, this was really wire to wire. And it became – I thought it became pretty clear, you know, as the season wore on that Alabama was, was – you know, leaps and bounds are the best team in the country. You remember last year, you know, there were three teams that stood out above the rest. It was LSU, it was Clemson, it was Ohio State. Uh, this year, you know, I think there were still three teams because, you know, Notre Dame and et cetera, et cetera, whoever was behind them, you know, they were, you know, le- lesser than the other three. But um, Alabama still looked leaps and bounds ahead of Ohio State and Clemson. And they, you know, they, like, like as you well say, they came just proved it and you know who know, who knows how you know much worse it could have been I mean it, you know even the, the funny thing about this game as, as you were watching you know um, I think Baron Browning you know makes a really tremendous play uh, for Ohio State uh, late in the first I believe it was hey um, that was Kurt Hurst Street he jinxed us man yeah but he, but he comes in you know Mac Jones just I don't know what he did in that and he like looked like he tried to make a behind the back move or something and he just you know he fumbles the ball and then you know Ohio State takes advantage as a tie game and still like at that point you're like this is this is going to be really easy because that was like the first moment that Ohio State had did it did something to stop them and it's just you know they it was just one play where they just caught him they got a free rusher and they you know they made a big play um, but after that, Alabama just went right back to just. Well, you know, hold on, hold on. Well, technically, what happened was they was about to run a bootleg, and the guy beat. That's why Matt Jones right, ran the, right into him. Blocker. Yeah, he beat the blocker yeah, coming back because he was trying formation. to run a naked bootleg, and yeah. he didn't have a blocker clearly. Yeah. That's but, but you know, yeah. Regardless, Ohio State caught a break. They tie the game, and I still felt 
if if I was an Alabama fan, I wouldn't have felt like any concern at all. I was like, oh well, they they caught us one bad one bad break. We're gonna go right back to marching up and down the field again. And that's what happened. Right. Um, right. to your to your point, um, Najee Harris, you know, they held him about three and a half yards a clip. That's that's better than you know Notre Dame. We were given Notre Dame, you know, the uh, what the the moral victory. Oh, you, you didn't let him score a touchdown eight yards a carry, but you did, you held him out of the end zone. You really, you really hunkered down in there. Um, I mean, Mac, Mac Jones, you know, I believe he set the, the, the record for passing efficiency in a, in a season at like what, 203, 41 touchdowns and four interceptions. Uh, I don't care. I don't care how like good of a supporting cast you have. I mean, you, you have to be something special to put up those type of numbers. Um, not Najee Harris, even though it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't his best performance on the ground. He still put up, what, 158 all-purpose yards. He scored uh, three times, just capping off a great season for him. And, of course, uh, Devontae Smith, I, I, I'm not going to be mad at Ohio State secondary. Nobody has stopped Devontae Smith the whole year. And <laughs> really, true. I mean, his whole That's career true. he's done, you know, for the most part what he, you know, has wanted to do. Uh, John, John Mechie, as usual, you know, doing, doing a great job as a second receiver. Um, you know, Jalen Waddle, uh, it's good to see him out there. I don't, it, it didn't look like he was, um, you know, clearly, I don't think he was a hundred percent, uh, the no. first pass he caught, you know, he just, it's almost like he's kind of just limping to the sideline almost. Um, uh, I, I don't, I really don't appreciate the, the, the kind of the, the outrage, just like, you know, everybody's coming at Nick Saban, like, Oh, why'd you, why'd you put this guy in the game? You know, you know, think about this guy's future and all this crap, you know? there's something to be said for that, but it's not, I'm pretty sure it didn't go like Nick just like told Jalen Wilder, like get on the field. Like you got to think about these. I mean, these guys in the biggest moments, if you're a competitor, you know, and I know it's at some, it's in some semblance, the, the amateur, you know, arena. And you, you know, you know, these, these guys, you know, that are that talented are hitting to bigger and better things and paychecks and all these different type of things. But how many times, and forgive me, you know, cause most people are not Alabama, but generally speaking, how many times are you going to play for a national championship game? Those opportunities don't come around that often. And I, I got to believe if I'm Jalen Waddle that, you know, he wanted to be somewhat of a part of it. And it's not like he was out there, you know, on a full workload. He, he didn't play like, you know, three catches. He wasn't on the field, you know, exclusively. So I, I just, I just want, you know, wanted to touch on that briefly, but, but Ohio state, you know, you know, just, you know, just sometimes you just overmatched and, you know, when, you know, to me, I thought, you know, the key for them would be the running game. And in the end, you know, it was a, it was decent. They, they, they decently ran the ball, but you know, when Trey Sermon goes out after one carry, you know, you know, what are Second you doing? Second play of the game. Yeah, he's been, and he's been your, you know, as the season has wore on, you know, he was the, you know, the clear difference in the big 10 title game with, you know, 300 some rushing yards against Clemson. He had almost 200, you know, just, just setting the tone, just yards after contact, all these different things. And, um, you know, Master T came in there and, you know, he was a big part of the, you know, running game earlier in the season. Um, and, you know, he, you know, he scored a couple touchdowns for him, but he just, it's just not the same. He doesn't have the explosiveness. It's just yeah, not the is. same. So, yeah. So it just, I mean, Ohio State, you know, you know, sometimes much like Clemson last season, we know how good of a program Clemson is and they show up in the national title game and they get blitzed by just an all-time great team. Right. It, the last two years, we've just been, you know, sort of blessed to see two, all-time great teams and uh last point real quick uh steve sarkeesian what a game what a game he called you know some of these some of these things about you know with the the you know everybody everybody in the stadium watching they, they know where the ball's coming they know Devonte smith is getting the ball and just 
the play designs, the 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 exquisite motions at the run. I mean, that that was his third touchdown. It's like three motions within one play. The cornerback on the other side of the formation, he's running back and forth too. He doesn't know where he's going. So you got all that. And think of, think about this. What I mean, just just what if what I'm gonna what if for a moment? What if this game was like close and Ohio State's just going like touchdown for touchdown with him and Defonte Smith doesn't like get hurt? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the the end game numbers? Who could have caught twenty passes for like four hundred yards? Oh, I mean, it would have shattered records. Twelve for two fifteen in one half of football, and then you just you know get 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 nicked up a little bit, and you just get to sit down for the rest of the game. Like, well, full day's work. Yep, I earned it today. Right. What, what a have play! We, what a career. Have we heard uh, what's what happened? What is 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 it something so, real serious? So what, yeah. So. Um, if it, if it mattered, if the game was on the line, he would have came back. But basically what it was, oh. he had a dislocated finger. Oh, okay. and, and the coaching staff, they asked Nick, hey, do you want us to go and pull it out? And, and Nick was like, nah, he good. He good. Just take him to the locker room, wrap it up. He, he good. He done done more than enough tonight. Uh, go ahead and wrap this one up. Um, but one, one thing I want to say that was interesting because you brought up Steve Sarkeesian. Did you know that he got a, a like a four-star wide receiver commit at halftime? That dude, this commit... Watch what he did with Devontae Smith and was like, huh. I'm committed to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> He's my mind, coach. Wow. Hey, you know, we were talking about a pre-show. I said, um, y'all, y'all broke the game down well enough. We got to move on here soon, but you know, Nick Saban is so far beyond the goat. Now it's not even like he, he's approaching like all time in any sport goat. I mean, you could very well make the argument across any time because like besides just winning and besides the titles and the record, I mean, we realize that he's done this with 10 different coordinators. He has won a national championship with 10 different coordinators and been no Batman and Robin crap, you know, or anything like that. It's just been him. I mean, even like a team like Clemson, you know, Dabo and Brett Venables have always been together. And there's plenty of other duos you can name. And here's saving just whoever's happens to be around. We'll just go find someone off the scrap heap or just whatever. Just come on in and just plop you in the system. And then you do what you do. And he's like, hey, this is what works for us. You do it. You run it. You figure it out. And it just works every time. It's 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 incredible. No one should be able to be that successful like that. And not only that, but 23 of his assistant coaches have gone on to head coaching jobs somewhere else. It's I know I know the whole thing about the Saban tree not being able to beat him is still pretty pretty much intact. But there have been plenty of good coaches that have moved on and, and done other things and won national titles and SEC titles and etc. Um, and I think what's Interesting too. We, if we go back to like you know before the season, we, maybe even the NFL season or whatever the case may be, we asked we asked when the, the COVID thing first started. We said, well, who is this going to impact more? Is this going to impact the blue bloods more? Is this going to impact the smaller teams more? And what we found out is the most storied, stable, long rooted franchises did the best. You know, the Lakers win the NBA title. You've got you know all the classic mainstays in the NFL, pretty much with few exceptions are doing their thing right now and here we are at Alabama you know the machine it just stomps on it doesn't matter you know COVID that you know think about all the transfer portal stuff that's going on think about all the image and likeness stuff that's going on there are serious top tier NFL college head coaches guys like Dan Mullen and stuff they're thinking man I, I might want to get out while the getting's good you know I ain't gonna work to get these guys recruit them and keep them you think Nick Saban's worried about that he don't care. He don't care at all because he's got that special buy-in. He's got that. He's got that factor that no one else has. And it just all these issues that that corrode other teams and affect them. 
he just keeps doing his thing. They keep rolling along. Like, you know, Drink said, hey, maybe it won't be as good next year. Maybe it will. Maybe we'll just, you know, load right back up and do it again. Who knows? Um, but it's just – it's incredible to see. And I know a lot of fans kind of poo-poo in Alabama. It's like, oh, it's Alabama, Ohio State again. It's Alabama, Clemson again. You're right. But appreciate greatness while you have it because you're not going to have it one day. And one day we're going to get some nonsense national championship or something else. So – as much as it's, you know, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, again, whatever. But, like, it's this is serious. This is all-time greatness you're seeing. And it should be appreciated while it's here because it'll be gone one day. Right. All right. So, I'm finished off a rapid reaction. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. You got it, Jay. Here we go. In regards to the quarterback position, Bears general manager Ryan Pace says everything is on the table. Well, apparently not because uh, Ryan Pace still has his job. Uh, so, where should the Bears go from uh, go from here at quarterback, Trent? Well, um, I think you answered the question. First, you fired the GM. But for quarterback, you um, well, you know what I'm saying? You go to the draft. Now, that might be a little hard to go to the draft if you fire the GM. But, you know, sometimes you got to cut the head off the snake, you know? So go to the draft. Um, get you a quarterback. Stop stop messing around with these. I don't want no more Nick Foles. No one that go get you start off fresh. And I ain't talking about Mitch Trubisky either. The Broncos have hired... George Patan to the position of general manager to a six-year to a six-year contract after Patan spent 13 his past 13 years in the Vikings front office. Was that a good decision? I think it was. He seemed like he's uh, pretty highly regarded across the league. Interviewed with a bunch of different teams. Actually, you know, he was interviewed by several teams last season. Um, I believe I saw a stat where uh, with the, in the last 10 years of the Vikings, he's had a hand in you know drafting like 13 Pro Bowl players. So. Um, he appears in my mind to be a good talent evaluator. And, um, you know, I think this is something uh, I think he'll be a great benefit to the Denver Broncos. Former Auburn defensive coordinator Kevin Steele is joining the Tennessee Volunteers as a defensive assistant. Uh, do you think he'll have much of an impact? Yes, absolutely. It's actually kind of smart by Tennessee. I like what they did here. Usually, right, these guys, they turn them into analysts, which is cool because you get to pay them less. But the problem is they, they're not allowed to coach. So even if you had an analyst, let's say you had a um, – he's played defense. So let's say the defensive coordinator sucks for Tennessee and he, they need to make an adjustment. Now you can just pull Kevin Steele in and make adjustments while the game is going. But if you had an analyst, you would have to wait until the game is over because you're not allowed to move up an analyst during the game. So it's, it's pretty smart. It's a little different than what most people do. But um, I, I kind of like what they're doing now. I, I ain't mad at you, Tennessee. I see you trying to do something other than recruiting violation. Recently, in New York, the New York Mets acquired Carlos Carreso, saying his new team has the potential to make the playoffs and reach the World Series. Do you agree with him? Uh, I think people need to ask uh, uh, Carrasco if he – you do know you went to the Mets, right, not the Yankees. I think that's first and foremost – um, but I mean, I guess if you just, you know, you're talking purely on paper, because, you know, we, their rotation appears to be uh, really solid and, you know, Lindor is going to, you know, he's going to be, you know, a mainstay in the middle of that order. And I guess you could, you know, you could maybe see some potential, but a lot of teams have potential. So, I mean, don't, don't give me this playoff world series, you know, predictions when you can't even snip the playoffs lately, you know? So I, I, I just, I think there's a little bit too much too early from Carrasco. The Seahawks will not retain offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer after three seasons, despite Seattle scoring the most points in franchise history this season. Uh, are you surprised by that move? Man, who the hell is the Seahawks GM? This is ridiculous. Like, 
What was he supposed to do? Like, what was he supposed to do? You, the, the dude then took the offense to the next level, and you mad at him because you can't control the trenches? Yeah, his fault. How about you give him some guys that can control the trenches? I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I was surprised. I, I, I thought he was doing well there as the offense coordinator. I don't think it's his fault of the recent failures. Um, but, you know, somebody had to be a scapegoat, and this looked like a scapegoat move to your boy. Oklahoma City Thunder point guard George Hill questioned the logic of some of the NBA coronavirus protocols. What do you think of his comments? Hey, come on, come on, George. We're only asking for 15 days to slow the spread. Uh, no, I, th- I think some of these things, they don't make much sense at all. I mean, you can go out there and, you know, sweat 48 minutes, you know, next to these other guys. And then, you know, I, th- I think I read something where now, you know, you have to have a mask on the sideline at all times. Like you get, if you just checked out of the game, you get a quote unquote cool down period. It's some of these things are just ridiculous. It's like we're trying to, you know, just eradicate, uh, you know, positive cases. And it's just not going to happen, guys. But you know, you keep, keep, you know, uh, best of luck to you, you know, with your, with your 15 days, which are now pro- approaching 15 months. The Chicago White, uh, excuse me, Louisiana Monroe has hired Rich Rodriguez as it, uh, their associate head coach and offensive coordinator. Uh, seems a little bit of a demotion given his resume, don't you think? Hell no. Give, give me the place where Rich Rodriguez went and won. Like, you can't give it to me. And you know what? I'm happy we didn't hire him back in 2007 because you know that's who we were supposed to hire instead of Nick Saban. And I guarantee you what, we ain't talking about no damn dynasty and we hire him. So, no, absolutely not. You got to win. The name of the game is winning. And if you go and be a head coach at a bunch of programs and keep losing and losing and losing, hey, I got this offense coordinator spot for you. Maybe if you do something here, we might decide to uh, give you another head coaching job. But absolutely not. His resume, like you said, it speaks for itself. The Chicago White Sox have signed former Oakland A's closer Lemick Hendricks to a four-year, 50, four-year, fifty-four million dollar deal. What do you make of this signing? Well, I like it. Most like most things the White Sox have done in the past couple of years, I, I, I like it. Uh, they just keep you know accumulating talent. They're building a really solid roster. They uh, made the playoffs for the first time in you know several years. The only thing I haven't liked they've done is they fired Rick Renneria and they. Uh, brought brought in Mr. DUI himself, Tony La Russa. But you know, uh, you can't you can't hit a home run every at bat. Um, you know, but uh, but the, the in this particular signing, I think it was another big win for him. The Eagles fired head coach Doug Peterson earlier in the week. Uh, what do you think was the biggest reason Peterson is gone? The quarterback position, the way he handled both quarterbacks. I mean, listen, Carson Wentz ain't happy with him. He think he on some bull job, and then then the guy you pissed him off with. He comes in the game, and then you be on some bull job with him and bring in Nate Sluggenfield. So the way he handled his quarterback position this year got him the pink slip. Holler at your boy. Last one. Warriors and Nuggets from the Mile High City tomorrow night. Who you got winning, Jay? Uh, Nuggets win this one at home. The, jo- the Joker's averaging a triple-double. He keeps it up, and it's a long night for the rookie James Wiseman. All right. Like Clues Day's drinking wisdom. I'm Cody Ward. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinking, and remember, make tomorrow better than today, and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we gonna do? I'm gonna miss college football, baby.